in Titus. Today is our last, our last week in the book of Titus, and I hope you've enjoyed studying Titus. I hope you've enjoyed looking verse by verse through Paul's letter to this young pastor. And today we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 12. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, turn with me to chapter 3, verse 12. What I'd like to do is go ahead and read verses 12 through 15. This is God's Word, Titus 3, verse 12. When I send, when I, Paul, send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Nicopolis. I've, I've said that. I, pray, I don't know why I do that. Nicopolis. For I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Verse 15. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. As I read that, last week we talked a little bit about devotion. And this week, it's just, again, the theme here is devotion. And I don't, you may have heard the story of John Robertson McQuilkin and his wife Muriel. And they were devoted to each other. Dr. Robertson McQuilkin was the president of Columbia Bible College from 1978 until 1990. And it was in 1990 that he resigned to care for his wife who had Alzheimer's. And I've got a clip that uh, we think might work this morning. Jacob, do you have that clip? It's, it's mainly audio. There's a little bit of a slideshow with it. But I want you to hear Dr. Robert McQuilkin, Robert McQuilkin talk about his uh, wife and his love for her. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions. But uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror, and when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promise in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for four years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a person. I love that. I, I love the way that he loves his wife, that he's devoted to his wife, even when it's hard, that he's grateful for her. He's devoted to her. 
And for Robertson McQuilkin, the cause that he was devoted to, think about devotion to a cause requires putting the good of the cause above the comfort of self. The good of the cause above comfort of self. And for him, the cause was his marriage. And more than that, in marriage, it was the happiness and comfort and joy and love of his wife. It was his wife was the cause. And men, we should take notes about how to be devoted to our wives like this. May I pray that when my wife looks back on how I've loved her, she could think I've loved her like that. That is a joy because of the way that we love each other, the devotion we have to each other. And marriage, as an example, isn't about what we can receive from our spouse. I think you even heard that in some of what he was saying. It's not about what we can receive from our spouse. It's about giving ourselves to to someone else, devoting ourselves to their good. Marriage is a beautiful picture of the gospel because we're giving ourselves to someone as Christ gave himself up for us so that we could be with him, two becoming one. This is what our devotion to Christ should be like, giving ourselves to him and his cause. His good, his joy, his desires. That's our focus. That's our love. That's what we're about. The entire letter to Titus teaches us this type of devotion. Our lives are not our own. Our goals and our decisions, our motivations are all for the cause of Christ. Christians are a people devoted to Jesus. Who are Christians? Think How does the world think of Christians? Shouldn't they think of Christians as those who are devoted to Christ, that their whole lives are about Jesus? And our devotion to Jesus creates in us devotion to the things that matter to Jesus. We devote ourselves to the things Jesus is devoted to. So let's start with the idea that God is devoted most to himself. Seems like a foreign idea if you think about it. God is devoted most to himself, but that's a good thing. That's good for us to consider that God is most devoted to himself because if God was more devoted to something other than himself, that would mean there is something better or more worthy than him. But because he is without comparison, incomparable, clearly most worthy and the best, then he is worthy of all devotion, even from himself to himself. In his devotion to himself, he claims his glory by devoting himself to his holiness and his love and his people, the church. As we devote ourselves to him, we devote ourselves to the things he loves. Okay, and so we're talking about devotion. We're talking about Titus 3. Where does it connect? How does this connect? Well, as we devote ourselves to Christ, we devote ourselves to each other and to good works. We devote ourselves to each other and to good works. That's what we see in verses 12 and 13, a devotion to each other. Verses 12 and 13, look back at it. It says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. They're devoted to each other. Our devotion to Christ leads us to a devotion towards each other. And this is the example Paul is setting. Paul isn't giving a command explicitly for devotion to each other here in Titus. We don't find that command specifically, but we do find the example of devoting themselves to each other. Out of this 
love, out of this genuine love for each other, they have a laser focus on obeying the Great Commission to make disciples. That, that's what's happening here as they devote themselves to each other, that they would go visit Paul, that Paul would send them people, that they would be sending others out, that they would see that nothing is lacking. It's all for the spread of the gospel. It's all so that disciples can make disciples. And Paul makes the same emphasis in Philippians. Flip over to Philippians with me if, if you have it in your Bible. Philippians 1, Philippians chapter 1, in verse 3, where we're going to start. Philippians chapter 1, in verse 3. We're going to read a chunk here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. See Already see that devotion, that care, that love for each other. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Devoted to each other, devoted for the work of the gospel. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you see his devotion to his brothers and sisters in Ephesus? Paul is devoted to each other. Those Christians are devoted to each other. You can see it in their affection. You can see it in their joint mission that they're together in this. Paul, I said Ephesus, in Philippians, Paul was devoted to the Philippian church. And this is the pattern. This is how we see it in the, in the whole New Testament, is this devotion inside of the church, that we love each other. This is how we feel about each other. Here's some questions we should be asking ourselves as we consider devotion. How can we love and serve one another? Not how can I be served, what can I get? How can I, how can we love and serve one another? How can we encourage each other towards the mission? There's a specificity there of what the encouragement is. We, yeah, we should be encouraging each other all day long in every way, but specifically, we should be encouraging each other towards the mission. That's a part of our devotion to each other, is that we all want to enjoy obedience to Christ. How, how can we bless each other? How can, I, how can I find ways to bless other people? I believe life groups and D groups at Provision Church are a really great way to find answers to these questions or people to answer these questions with. That life groups are a place we do life together. It's small community. Some churches call them community groups because they're groups of community that we do life together in these groups. D groups are even more pinpointed in that. And if you want to connect with a life group, if you're like, yeah, I would be interested in that, you can check out the connection point in our lobby. Shannon would love to give you that information and connect you with life groups. So we do this by connecting in life groups and D groups, and we do this as is Paul's example in Philippians, we pray for each other. Church, we should be praying for each other. 
It should be something that is common for you in your life, that days go by where you're praying for your church, that there wouldn't be days going by where you're not praying for your church, that we're praying for each other, that we're remembering each other in prayers joyfully because of our partnership in the gospel. Do you know why it's sometimes so easy to forget our church? It's because we're not on mission together. (laughs) We're not struggling together through the mission of Christ. It can be a reason why. But if we're on mission together, we're praying for each other, we care about the work that we're doing together. Deep relationships are needed. And I hope we have a church filled with Jonathans and Davids, men who loved each other deeply, true friends who are devoted to each other. I I think this is something, as we talk about this devotion to each other, specifically men, it's something that we struggle with. I think our culture struggles with, is being devoted to each other. It's missing in our secular masculine culture. But men, be like Paul and set the tone for this. Look at the example we have in Scripture. In our culture, the only way for men to be heroic is if they're an island all to themselves. In their loneliness, they're these strong men. But that's just not biblical. (laughs) We need Jonathans and Davids devoted to each other. And I'm grateful that our culture has elevated this devotion in female relationships. Oftentimes, I think we see that easier. It's still something women, you have to fight for. (laughs) These relationships that are devoted to each other. But men, don't believe the lie that you don't need good male friends. You do. You need close friends And your wife needs you to, and your kids need you to, and your church needs you to have those close friends, this devotion to each other. If you look around and you don't know what friend you have that you're devoted to, I would say, take the step. Pray that God would use you to reach out to someone who needs you. If you're not sure who your close friend is, don't wonder who will come and be your friend. Wonder who God is going to use you to be a friend to. And pray to that end. God, use me. God, put me in a position that I can be devoted to others. We need to be devoted to each other for the sake of the gospel as a church. That we look at each other and are excited to serve each other. That's what we see as we continue to look. At verse 13, he's, he makes it clear. What is, what, is, uh, what is the goal? It's to make sure that these guys have no need. That they're taken care of. Then look at verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Here again is a church that is devoted to good works. You're like, didn't we just talk about good works last week? Yes, we did. (laughs) We did. And we did because Paul did. Paul talks about good works a lot in Titus. Multiple times in this short letter, we see this idea that we should be devoted to good works. Paul exhorts Titus and the Cretan church to good works in chapter 1, verse 16. He he warns against a lifestyle that makes us unfit for good works. It's almost like a preparation statement. Don't do these things because I need you for good works, because God wants you for good works. And then in chapter 2, the very next chapter, verse 7, he tells Titus, be a model of good works. And then in chapter 3, we see it three times. Verse 1, remind them to be ready for every good work. Church, be ready for every good work. And then in verse 8 in chapter 3, insist that they devote themselves to good works. And then in verse 14, let them devote themselves to good works. 
in the first part of chapter 3, Paul calls our attention to the gospel. Verse 3, chapter 3, I've told you already as we've gone through it, especially last week, just looking at the beauty of the gospel. Not, not by our works and righteousness, but according to his mercy, his grace, that we can be justified by his works before God, before the Father. We see this beautiful gospel, and then it's a call to good works. It's, it's this idea that because we are saved by grace, because it's only grace that can save us, then we're saved not by good works, but for good works. We're saved to do good works. That from our, salva- from our salvation, we're driven to good works. And those good works are for a purpose. That by our good works, God might use us in those to share the gospel with others, to bring people to the gospel. So our good works have evangelistic mission connected to them. That as we do good to others, there's an evangelistic reason for that, that others might place their faith in Jesus for salvation, that they might, they might look at him and behold the lamb. Verse 14 in chapter 3 seems to be combating a problem, not so much of a lack of evangelism, but a lack of care for others. It, it's, it's, a, it's a laziness that might be in this Cretan culture, but it's combating that culture with a call to care for others. They shouldn't be unfruitful with their time. Don't waste away your time. Don't waste these precious moments that God has given you to live here, to, to love and, and be for him here. Don't waste those. Don't be unfruitful. Live your life fruitfully. What is a fruitful life? Carry, devote yourselves to good works. And, and in context here, verses 12 through 15, who is he calling them to good works to? He's calling them to good works to other believers. They should be looking for ways to help, especially in cases of urgent need for others, other believers. Don't you love people who are eager to get stuff done? Like, I, I love being with people who, when there's something to do, they don't wait, they get on it. Uh, my father-in-law is that way. I mean, there's something that's going on, and he's, he's going to be there. He's going to be first to do it. He's going to be the first one to pick up the, the scrubby brush. He's going to be the first, because he, he's a hard worker. He's going to make it happen. I love being around him because I want to be like that. That's who I want to be when I'm in those situations. And, and it's so good to be around people who are fruitful with their time and are eager to serve, the people that look for the need and hop on it. And this should be our heart as we serve each other that we should look for needs, that we shouldn't close our eyes and walk around blindly being like, well, why don't I know, why don't I know anything? But that we should be eager looking. How can, I, how can I find ways to serve? It should be our heart. And it was the heart of the early church. One of the more famous passages from Acts is in Acts 2. At the end of Acts 2, we, we've just seen these amazing things in the early church happen. We've seen the the... Uh, the apostles speaking in tongues. We've seen people coming to Christ. It's been an amazing few days here. And then in Acts 2, in verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, Acts is a history book rather than a book of commands. We're not expected to, to see all of these exact same things that we see in Acts today. However, we do see patterns. We, we see how the church cared for each other. How was the church thinking of each other? They were selling everything they had so that people would have no need. They were serving each other. It was good works to each other. And what was the result of them caring for each other? What was happening? Well, because they were caring for each other, they were growing in Christ. They were studying the word. They were praying. They had all things in common. There was unity, and they praised God with generous hearts. That's what happens when they were caring for each other with good works. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And look at that last line. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we're serving each other well, church, the world notices. Not just when we're serving the world. We should serve the world, and we've talked about that. But what about when we're serving each other? What about when we're looking in community at ourselves and saying, I want you to have no need. I want to be here for you. I want to help where you need help. To our brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. We should be eager to do that for each other to serve well. And because the world notices. Because they see how we treat each other as the body of Christ. We see this example. It should be our heart because it's the heart of Christ. This early church wanted what was best for each other and they made it happen at great cost to themselves. Sacrificial love and good works for each other. Romans 9 takes that, that example, and makes a command for us in chapter 12. Romans 9, uh, Romans chapter 12 says this, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Man, isn't this sweet? Don't, this is such a good picture for us. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't you, don't you want this? I just, God's design is so good. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Church, this is a command for you. This is who we should be. And aren't you glad that this command is something we can do with great joy? We don't have to hold back our things wondering if we'll get what we gave in turn. We get to give free-handed, open-handed, gener generously to our brothers and sisters knowing that it is for the cause of Christ. Who cares if I ever get back what I've given as I follow after Jesus and love my brothers and sisters in Christ? We should pursue the good of our brothers and sisters. And honestly, the church fails at this sometimes. There's probably some of you in this room who have been failed by Provision Church at this. And you persevered <laughs> through being failed. I would imagine that all of you have been failed by one church or another in some way. And I don't know that it matters coming from me. It may be that I've been the one to fail you. 
but I'm sorry if you've been hurt by us or even by another church or by other believers in not loving well, in not being kind, in not showing good works to you as brothers and sisters. It may be that the church has needed your help to know the urgent need. I, I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for that. But I do want to say, don't be afraid to communicate clearly what your need is. That's where I'm going with that. Don't be afraid to communicate clearly what your need is. And don't be afraid to communicate clearly when that need hasn't been met. Hey, I, I mentioned this, nothing, I, I, I'm just letting you know with a servant's heart. Because I can tell you as a, as a pastor that my heart is that you are served well. My heart is that you are loved well. And if we miss on that, it's not because, if we miss on that, I, I want to know so we can do better. And I think we should have that heart for each other, a heart of generosity towards each other. Paul gave instructions. He gave clear instructions. We need to be clear with each other. He said, come to me at Nicopolis. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. There was no confusion there in what was needed to be able to serve and do good works to each other. We can serve each other by being vulnerable and open with each other. I, I know that my heart is to see each of you living sent as great commission believers and lacking nothing. I would love for you to lack nothing so that you can be on mission thinking for Christ. How can I live for him? Lacking nothing physically, relationally, financially. And if I'm being honest I, and if I'm being vulnerable, I think this can be a major flaw and blind spot, blind spot for me personally. Because as much as I was kidding about this, sometimes this is my natural place to be, is keep my head down. I don't, if I don't see it, I don't know it. And so I, I know that that's a place for me. And church, I'm grateful for how many of you set the example and tone of loving each other well, of caring well for each other, of being devoted to good works to each other, I'm encouraged by you. As I've thought and meditated and prayed on this passage, I, I, just so many examples of how I can think of how y'all have cared well for me and my family and how I've seen you care well for each other. Just stories where I'm like, that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. I, I mean, maybe it feels condescending. I don't mean it, but there's, so, there's sometimes where I, I just want to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you've done for, to care well and to do good works to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thankful for the example you all set, and I'm thankful for the example set for us by Christ himself. He cared for us perfectly in ways that we miss. He hasn't let us down. He devoted himself to us, to claim us as his own, to restore us back to a relationship with him he looked at us in our sin and had compassion. He saw our urgent need and he acted. He acted in only the way that he could act. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Man, isn't that what we want to be doing for our brothers and sisters? That we might do for them what they can't do for themselves. That we might step in and do good works. He did for us. He took our sin and the punishment for our sin and died on the cross in our place. He died so that we could be saved. For those of us here who have been saved, 
we should care for each other with that same zeal and passion that Jesus did. That the joy set before him would, uh, would be worth it for him to suffer for us, sacrificially. If Jesus cared for you like this, if Jesus cared for you like this, I should care for you like this. Now, I can't save you from your sins, but I can find ways to serve you. I can find ways to lay myself down for you. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to know that you can be saved today. You can know the love of this Savior. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And if you will repent and believe, is what the Bible says, if you repent and believe, you can be saved. You can be saved today. Why not do that today? Why wait? Why put it off? Why give it another day? Of, of living in sin and destruction, turn to Jesus who loves you and sacrifices for you. Where the world calls for you to sacrifice for them, Jesus says, I have sacrificed for you. And it is no longer a burden for us to give everything to Jesus, but it is our desire. It is our joy. It is what we want. We're not being forced. We're, we're giving it willingly to Jesus who loves us and saved us. In this life, there is nothing better than Jesus. Christians, would you agree with that? Okay, I got a few. Yeah. In this life, there is nothing better than Jesus. Would you agree? Yeah. But even more so in the next life. In this life, we, we, get, we get some dim images of how good God is. But when we die, for those of us who are saved, the images will no longer be dim. <laughs> Mm. how much better, how good it will be for us to be with Jesus forever. But if you don't know Jesus, not only is he the best thing in this life, but he is the best thing in the next life, and there's nothing close. We have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ, that he cares for us today and forever, that he loves us today and forever. And I'd love for you to know that peace and joy of life in Christ. All you have to do is repent and believe. Call on his name today. As, us, as we who have called on the name of Christ are devoted to him by being devoted to each other and being devoted to good works amongst each other and in the world, as we do good works to honor and glorify, na- glorify God's name, I hope we'll be like Roberts McCulkin and sacrificially love each other, sacrificially love Christ, see it as our greatest good, as our greatest cause, worth giving up everything for, that we'll do it with joy, not as a burden, not that we have to, but that we get to. Because God has given us each other in his goodness, and he has given us himself in his goodness. If you've got questions, if you want to know how to follow Jesus, I'm going to be at the back. I'd love to talk with you about following after Jesus. If, if, you'd, like to, if you'd like to talk more about how to, if you're a Christian, you're like, I just don't know. I'd love to talk with you in the back. We're going to continue singing. We sing at the end of our service to continue praising our good God, who is worthy of our praise, who has given himself for us and has given us so many good gifts in giving him giving us himself. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us. I want to pray as we finish 
worshiping through the word. I want to pray as we begin to, again, as Jeremy said, transition into worship through song. Would you pray with me as, as we continue to worship? God, we are undeserving of this. God, you know my sins. <laughs> you know how messed up I am. You know how often I have strayed and in exactly the ways. God, you know how hypocritical I am. And still you love me. God, now look out over this room of so many of my brothers and sisters I think you've done the same for them. God, you're so good. You're so kind. Because you haven't just overlooked those sins. God, you suffered for them. God, you took them. You, you justified us through your sacrifice for us. God, I'm so grateful for your grace. Think about how unfair grace is. God, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you didn't give up on us. That you didn't just wipe us out. But that you came for us. God, I pray that our days would be spent in wonder and awe of you. That we wouldn't waste our days away in unfruitfulness, pursuing vanity and sinful passions, but God, that we would spend our days fruitful, loving each other because we love you. Loving our enemies, loving the world because you have, because you set the example. God, let us be a church on mission. Let us be sent as you were sent. God, we love you. We're grateful for you. We pray this in your name. Amen.